at SFM Radio and at Pimelo Mutile on Twitter. So let's unpack what we saw from the police minister, Biki Kwele, and that budget that came through last week. Dr. Chris DeCock is an independent crime and violence analyst, former head of the Crime Information Analyst Center at SAPS. On the line with us this afternoon, Dr. DeCock, thanks for, for your time. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Okay, so we were seeing lots of headlines saying, you know, the police don't care about you. They only care about the blue lights. From what you've analysed, is that true? No, I I, I would not say the police uh, don't care about the public. I I think that's a very broad statement. Mm -hmm. There may be some police officers who don't care about the, 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 the public and who care more about bribes and things like that. But I think there's quite a large number of police officers who still do a good job. The problem is if they they not always focused on the on the on, on crime prevention. I think that is one of the main problems. If I look at the the figures that was released, mm. uh, I mean there's certain very very strong uh, increases in murder. Mm-hmm. In attempted murder, carjacking, house robbery, business robbery, truck jacking, and even uh, street public robbery. So um, those are the the the, the, the warning signs. Mm-hmm. And I think with the release of the stats about ten days ago, mm-hmm. the minister actually, you know, it was clear that he had a certain idea, and even the national commissioner, that they have got certain ideas which will not address the problem. If you want to reduce murder, mm-hmm. your, your answer is that you have to address street robbery. Mm-hmm. You have to address all these robberies as well, yeah. because may, much of your murder is a result of that. So, so let's look at the stats, Dr. De Kock, because we have seen a slight decrease in the, the total budget, but it's where this money is going that I think uh, warrants a little bit of what people were saying, you know, that a lot more goes into protection units rather than in, in your, your crime intelligence and detective um, budgets. Yep. That money has gone down. What, what do you make of that? Yeah, that I, I, I think clearly. Clearly, you don't see police visibility. And one of the problems is they don't have enough vehicles or half of the vehicles are standing in the police garages. Um, So there is no visibility. Mm. And as long as you have no visibility, you will have increases in specifically these crimes that I've mentioned just Mm. now. Mm -hmm. Um, Just to, 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 I mean, the best uh, uh, proof of this is actually if we look at the crime trends of murder mm. and street robbery and um, some of these other crimes, uh, attempted murder, then you would see that from 2003 right down to 2012, I'm not going to mention the financial years, let mm-hmm. me just mm-hmm. use mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. calendar years. Yes. From three, 2003 to, to 2012, mm-hmm. there was a constant decrease in murder and attempted murder a very systematic and actually during the world cup uh, 11 uh, 10 11 (laughs) there was even more of a decrease now that was due to visibility 
visibility based on intelligence. Professor de Kock, let me ask, stop you right there and, and, and ask you about that specific incident, perhaps the World Cup, okay? Yeah. There was a lot of policing, uh, uh, visible policing on the ground, yeah. but it had taken also away from rural visible policing. What impact did that have? Well, in the in the rural areas, they were not a particular, not a systematic decrease, but they were also not an increase in the rural areas during during those years, because they were still policing there, but the visibility was focused more on the areas where the sure. where the, the the World Cup occurred. So, so, so in terms of a st- strategic way of doing this, is that model sustainable? I think it is sustainable. Actually, yes. the very same minister was then, uh, which is now our minister, mm-hmm. was then the national commissioner. Yes. And when the stats was released just after the World Cup, yes. that year's stats, yes. he and the minister of the, that time uh, said that they will now sustain this in the future. Unfortunately, in 2012, in 2012, the whole situation changed. And from 2012, we have seen a systematic increase in murder, attempted murder, street robberies, carjacking, and all the others. Can we, in broad strokes, what, what led to the change in, after 2012? After 2012, mm. first we had the problems with intelligence, mm. Mm. which we still, we still have. I mean, there's no, it seems the conflict just continued there. Mm. And, uh, and, and, factionalism and whatever Mm -hmm. the case may be. Mm -hmm. So we had the problems that there was not enough intelligence Mm. and there's still not enough intelligence to address organized crime like Mm. truck jacking, CITs and car jacking. Those are organized crimes. But but but, and, but but it also impacted quite widely also on murders and stuff. So there was a correlation there. Yeah, yeah. And because your murder comes from street robbery. Sure. Most of your murders, um, the minister today and the um, National Commissioner and the police service have this idea that, you know, most of our murders is generated by alcohol. People having arguments uh, and the arguments then turn into assaults and the assaults accidentally end in murder. There is a lot of that. But you can't actually control that. You can't do anything about it because it happened behind the closed doors of our houses and the and clubs people and whatever. Who, who know each other, yeah. Yeah, and um, but the but by the very large chunk, more than fifty percent of our murders are more policeable. Those are the street robberies. The reaction to street robberies, which we have seen so vividly last year, uh, last uh, last week in Zandspreit. Uh, you know, where where uh, the vigilante action, that's a reaction on street robbery. And then the third one is your gang violence. It's also a reaction, though, on, on the trust the people have on the police. And this also speaks to that. There is very, yeah. very little trust that people yeah. have now. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, if, if we listen to what people commented just after the Zansprite incident, people were just saying, well, these people were just doing... What they um, what they they felt the police are not protecting them, so they have to protect themselves. But that all generate murders. Yeah. And if you could control street, if you have visibility in the streets as we had in the World Cup, and even before the World Cup, then the street robberies will will reduce. 
people will start to feel more safe and people will say, well, we see the police every day and it's actually them who help us to, to, to um, reduce this crime. I'm going to ask that we take a quick break and we'll also open the lines. Uh, Dr. Tukok, 011-714-2006 is the number to dial. You can also send in your voice notes on 0614-104-107 on WhatsApp. And I will continue my conversation with Dr. Chris Tukok, Independent Crime and Violent Analyst, former Head of Crime Information Analysis Center at SAFM Values Your Views. Be an active citizen. Hello, uh, my my brother in Alexa was once uh, arrested uh, for having uh, the marijuana supposedly in his uh, taxi in in the local township. And when the court date was set, and when he went there, uh, the police uh, um, representatives and the, that uh, police person that day never showed up. So these uh, statistics that they would often tell that they've arrested 70, 80, so many people in, on, a, on a weekend. Um, it's actually not uh, a lie, or maybe it's just uh, to fulfill numbers or, or to, to achieve a certain numbers because they just arrest as and when they feel like. They don't arrest people that are committing crimes. Um, so they cannot be relied upon. And that is a problem. Thank you. All right. Dr. Krista Koch, Independent Crime and Violence Analyst, a former Head of Crime Information Analysis Centre at SAPS. He's with us uh, to unpack what uh, budget means, what this policing budget means that was presented by the Minister of Policing, Pekikwele, last week. And, um, you know, just to the point that the, the, the SMS uh, note came through with, was making, is is this issue of, getting these cases all the way through to prosecution. And one case that stands out for us is is the, the massive DNA backlog that, that mm-hmm. I think has become quite embarrassing, Dr. DeCock. Yeah, no, I think that thing has become quite embarrassing, the whole uh, issue around forensics. Uh, that is quite an embarrassment. And the problem is that that has a direct impact on, the, on, on getting a conviction yeah. in the end. So our convictions was already very low. Even on, on something like murder, it's a little bit higher on murder than on most other crimes. But even for murder, where we constantly hear that this is happening between people knowing each other. Now, if you know, I mean, that, that's quite an easy case. The husband or the boyfriend have murdered, the, as an example, the, the, the girlfriend or the, the, the wife. And now, um, because of bad work, this case never come to a conclusion. So, so, so it's it's actually our 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 conviction rates are very low. Mm-hmm. It would not actually deter mm-hmm. criminals at this stage. Mike is calling from Newlands. Good afternoon, Mike. Hi. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to your guests. Can you hear me? Okay. Well, thank you very much. Fantastic. Yes, to your guests. Look, I'm not sure. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. Trying to get some encouragement for what he's saying, but can I can I just say where I'm where from where I'm sitting? Uh, I, I don't understand. I mean, we've got murder rates up to now 55 a day. Violence and crimes against women has hit an all-time high, and yet the very government that we voted into power—I <laughs> shouldn't be laughing—voted uh, into power to, to perform a, get a police force to protect us is now spending more money protecting themselves 
than protecting the very people. So money being allocated for the very things that the professor is saying that we should be looking towards is being reduced. But uh, that the uh, ANC MPs that run our country are getting more protection. And the second thing is the biggest, now they rub our noses in it, and they are trying to withdraw the right for us to own a firearm. So now with a completely collapsed and useless police force, I, I can't even protect myself now because I'm not going to have a firearm. And if by some miracle, Professor, the police do rock up, as, the, as, your, as your somebody was just saying now, there's 280 cases that are backlogged in the police at the moment. And we also knew, know that Professor Becky Chelly switched off the computer system in January last year, which resulted in 11 billion uh, so eight with eight billion pieces of evidence sitting there somewhere which could not be used in cases to convict people in crime scenes and also, by the way, track uh, firearms which are stolen and sold by staffs quite regularly and used in crimes against us. And you'll remember that the very uh, journal uh, that was just recently released from jail, probably the biggest criminal in South Africa, I forget his name, a, a, a Colonel Van der Westhuizen, I think he was, who was locked up for selling two to 3,000 firearms, of which 1,000 are using crimes against children. So I, I'm not sure I understand exactly where you are, but all I can say is that I think we're completely missing the point here. We need to be looking at protecting ourselves and getting firearms for ourselves. Talking about the police is a complete waste of time. Professor, the, the police are gone. They've finished their history in our country, sadly. Thanks so much. I mean, those, those are very strong views, uh, Dr. DeCock. I, I, I fear that day, actually. I really do fear the day when every single one of us has to be carrying a gun. I, surely that's not where we're going. Yeah, and it will be actually a sad day. Yeah, yeah. It will be a sad day because the more guns, yeah. the more violence. Absolutely. You see, if I now walk with, I can, I can uh, mention the following example. I was hijacked three years ago in broad daylight here in the street in front of the complex where I'm living. Mm. And uh, I have got two guns, but they were locked in the safe because I refused to go out in, with a gun into the street. Because if, if, if a situation pitch up like that and I pull out the gun, in all probability, I wouldn't have been here. Yeah, and, and Doctor DeCock, you you worked in that in that uh, crime information analysis center in SAPS, and I think I remember a few years ago where there were stats about the number of people who were killed by their own guns. Actually, that was yeah. staggering. Yeah, so that will be a sad day, but unfortunately, I have to agree with the person who phoned in just now, and with yourself that if we don't get the protection of the police, if the police are not there in visible visibility on the, in the places where they should be at the right time, then we are going in that direction where we will say we have to defend ourselves. And, um, and, and the communities are, in some communities, like in Kailicha especially, in, 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 peop- in places like that, there's a very high level of vigilantism. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's not surprising. I mean, we talk about what happened in Kailicha in the past two week, uh, two weekends, where I think yeah. the, the number was at 13 a weekend. That's crazy. Yeah, 13 yeah well, I, I think it's even, it may even be higher. That yeah. is the one incident that we have heard about. Anonymous is calling from Kimberley. Good afternoon, Anonymous. Good afternoon, Pamela. I've been looking to your program with the doctor about uh, the crime statistics. Yes. I live on a farm on my own. Mm. And I'm away from the house most of the day because I, I've reached an age now where I work for somebody else. Okay. 
The, as far as I, my house has been broken into five times in the last 18 months. Mm. And they stole every single electrical item that I had, apart from my fridge and my stove, which was obviously too big for them to take. They mm-hmm. took my TV, everything. Mm-hmm. Also cleaned me out of all my crockery, all my plates, everything. So mm. it's cost me a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I phoned in and reported the thefts to the police station in our area three times. Mm. On all occasions, they, it took them more than six hours to come to my house. Mm-hmm. I've since been broken into two more times, which haven't been reported because it's a waste of bloody time. Mm. So as far as I'm concerned, the crime statistics are are, are not acceptable. It's a long, long way from what is actually going on on the ground. Yeah. No, are you questioning questioning the the veracity of the actual stats themselves, Anonymous? Yes, I am. Mm. Now I listen to the radio and I hear about uh, they're now starting on the firearm situation. Mm. And yet they're increasing the, the VIP security for, for these so-called politicians. Mm. On the and other hand... Let me, let, me, let me ask you this quickly. I'm just rushing you because of time. Yes. You, know, you are now where you are and you're saying you're no longer reporting the crime. Going no. forward, what's, what's your plan? What do you think is going to be the solution for your well, circumstances? Well, I'm going, I'm going to put out a monetary uh, uh, reward mm. for anybody to come to me and let me know who it is. And then I will also take, take my own form of justice on these people because the police aren't doing it. Okay. And, and you're, you're willing to, to risk that in terms of you know, doing whatever you need to do to deal with Absolutely. that person? Yeah? Absolutely. Uh, and I think it's the duty of everybody in this country to kill their own snakes. <laughs> if the what? police don't look after you, look at, the, look at this, uh, look at this um, amount of prisoners that are being let out uh, of prison because the jails are too full. And you want to be joining those people as well in, in the prisons? Look, I'm getting to the point now where at my age, mm-hmm. if I can have, have some form of retribution, then that's fine. Uh, uh, I'm not worried about going to jail. You're not. Okay. It's a bloody holiday camp. Mm. Wow. Anonymous. How can they increase the, the VIP security by 1.8 million? Mm. If, they, if they're going to start taking away firearms from people or denying people firearms, then they should do away with all this VIP security. Quick one, Anonymous. Do you have firearms now? No, I'm not prepared to answer that. No, no, no. You're anonymous. I don't think we can trace you. And the reason I'm asking you this is that have you used them and have they been helpful? No. Yeah. But you're going to change that stance now. You you obviously want to, you know, to deal with the the, the situation differently now. Absolutely. I can't carry on living like this. Hmm. Anonymous saying, Kimberly, we've got to, let me just leave it there with you because of time, but I'll come back to, to our Professor de Kock uh, for his analysis. And Musa is standing by with the very latest in headlines at 1.30. Stalk. Dr. Krista Koch, independent crime and violence analyst, a former head of Crime Information Analysis Center at SAPS, is on the line with us. We were just unpacking the, the police budget that was given to us by Minister Pekitlele a couple of days ago and, and what this actually means for all of us. Dr. de Koch, are you surprised by what you're hearing from our callers? No, I'm not surprised. People are very frustrated. Mm. They are highly frustrated. And, you know, frustration can lead to aggression. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not, I, I disagree with your last uh, speaker. 
in the sense that uh, who called in uh, in the sense that he say he doesn't try to trust the crime stats. I would yeah. redefine it a little bit. Mm. Murder figures, murder figures internationally. They're the most trusted, aren't they? They are the most trusted because there's a body. Yeah. I mean, otherwise you, no you must hide the, bo- the, body. Yeah. the body somewhere in a, in a shallow grave or something. Yeah. But usually there's a body and the body will get fined mm. uh, sometime or another. Yeah. And then attempted murder, people end up in hospital. So, again, the hospital and the doctor have to report those things. And so I think there we work with quite a good figure. Mm-hmm. And then... Crimes like uh, truck jacking, carjacking, CIT robberies, you know, those all have um, a lot of uh, implications, a lot of uh, insurance, insurance implications. Yep. Mm. So there, I must say, I think I trust those figures quite well. Mm. The problem is when you go to things like housebreaking, mm. which which the, the, the caller have referred to, mm. just uh, ordinary housebreaking. Mm. Because a lot of people have now got rid of the insurance yeah. uh, during COVID. Mm-hmm. People are in a little bit of a financial fix. Mm-hmm. They uh, get rid of these things and they, um, they also have lost confidence that the police is going to find these guys. And people are now working from home. So they, their argument is, well, we don't need uh, insurance so that we don't have to report to the police if something happens. So this is something that I think is bothering me somewhat, uh, Dr. DeCock. There's a hundred million dedicated to what they're calling. And, I, and I'm really hesitant because I feel sometimes we have sexy catchphrases that get us to stand up and applaud. But what on earth is a hundred million for gender based violence? What exactly does that mean? I must say, when it comes to gender based violence, I don't know. I think. What do they mean by I, that? I'm, I'm still. Gender based violence is where there is violence between different genders, different. Um, yeah, different uh, yeah, but, genders. So in reality, on the how... basis of on the basis of uh, unequal power but relationship. I get it. I'm really trying to understand that if, for instance, you are going to cut your budget on visible policing, you're going to cut your budget on detective and crime intelligence, you do not have enough vehicles to respond to a phone call in my house if somebody's beating me up, and yet you're telling me you don't have enough forensics labs that are doing the work, we've got a backlog there, you have added money in administrative costs, right? And yet you're telling me that there's a hundred million for gender-based violence. I really, again, want to know what's the strategy. What do they mean by that? If no one's going to respond to my crime. Yeah, you see, the the, the problem is in any case, when when gender-based violence, you you are quite correct. When gender-based violence occur, there must be quick reaction to try and prevent that it doesn't go to further violence and maybe death. And then also, uh, when when you you go to a scene of of of, of uh, gender violence, there must be proper uh, recording of all the facts, and then a proper investigation, which is now after the gender-based violence have have uh, occurred, so that the docket when it goes to court, the docket when it goes to court, you know that there's no any failures there. 
that it lead to a successful conviction. So in, in your experience, because you've been inside, I, I, I'm really genuinely asking now what this actually means, because I think what we don't do enough of is, is to hold them accountable. So the minister is going to tell us about the budget, but he doesn't go back to tell us about what happened in the previous years where he promised us something. For instance, the lab that we've been waiting for years for that has not actually been built. What happened mm. there? That's why we've got the backlog. And when they say we've got 1,763 uh, police officers who are going for gender-based related training courses, what on earth does that mean? What, what, what are, are they going to be told and how to speak to us when we get to the police? What does that mean? What does, is, that, is that what's worth $100 million? The courses. Yeah, well, it may be included in that hundred million. I can't say. It may be included there that they're going to give special training to police officers or a group of police officers to handle these cases, to um, to intervene in the correct way, to to uh, get the the full statements, to uh, see that all, if necessary, forensics should be done. Uh, and, and that is that they are training units which deal with gender-based violence. Yes, it's the how that I'm interested in. And that's why <laughs> you're here, because I, I'm really interested in what is it exactly? In the granular detail, does it mean if there is no car that comes to me, if there are less police to deal with it, is there's no lab to process the case? <laughs> if there is no intelligence, where... So where is this money going? What's going to happen? What do they mean they're going to put money aside for this? Yeah, I think they, they, they have to do it because the president has made it a priority. <laughs> you see, the moment they, a crime is made a priority, is declared a priority, mm-hmm. then when the next budget come up, they will now allocate money to that priority. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it will include things like uh, special individuals, special police officers who are mm-hmm. trained to do this job, mm-hmm. maybe with uh, more vehicles to respond to whatever uh, cases they are, mm-hmm. and, to, and, to, and on forensics that, that are related to gender-based violence. Mm-hmm. Let me quote that, you, Cedric. That, that, is, that is the only thing I can see. Yeah, yeah. I must say, when it comes to gender-based violence, um, I mean, we know it is a very serious issue. Yes. It is a very serious issue. There is no doubt about it. Lots of our violence happened between people knowing each other. But they base it, the figures that they use mm-hmm. are very confusing. Because there is no such crime. You know, it's not a crime that gets registered as, oh, here we have a case of gender-based violence. It will be registered as a murder. Yes. It will be registered as assault, an attempted murder. Whatever, yes. Assault. Mostly assault, actually. Mm-hmm. Mostly even common assault. So, so, so that, is, that is the case. But we can still not, from that data, deduct that it happened between a male and a female. A male and a female because there was... Um, it wasn't an equal relationship. Yeah. This, this female was abused in the workplace because the, the boss there is a, is a male. Yeah. You yeah. see, we can still not deduct that. And now they use basically domestic violence figures. Mm-hmm. But domestic violence 
include a whole lot of other kinds of violence which have nothing to do with gender. Domestic-based violence can be male on male, father and son, mother and daughter, daughter and, uh, and, and, and son. And aunts or whatever, yes. I, yeah, I aunts and uncles yeah. and the whole lot. Cedric is calling from Port Elizabeth. Hi. Yes, uh, good afternoon. Hi. Two things, ne? Mm-hmm. One, this gender-based violence issue, ne? Mm-hmm. It is just a nice political way mm-hmm. to tell the government where they want to steal money mm-hmm. because it's going to go to NGOs and uh, awareness campaign companies, which sometimes is owned by some of these politicians. Secondly, you know what I've done? I was a CPF chairperson in, at, the battles, at the police station in Port Elizabeth. Mm. And this is what I used to do. On a, on a certain Friday and Saturday night, I won't tell the police. I will just call the commissioner in charge or the brigadier in charge of the police station and say, listen here, let's go to this tavern. And we just arrest all children that's under 18. Yeah. Because this happens in the townships uh, most yes. of the time. So I'll just tell them, listen, just call all your police events and, and we arrest. We phone the parents. We tell the parents, listen here. Your child is being arrested. We're not going to lay a charge against you. But second time, we are going to do this. Your child's going to have a criminal record. You say, because they're underage in a tavern. But the police are not doing this. And I'm saying to you once again, they are utilizing that 100 million for themselves, basically, to steal, if I can put it like that. I know you guys don't want to say it, but this is what is happening. That is why they're doing it. Cedric. This is just my view on it. Yep. Thanks for that, uh, Cedric. Thank you. Okay, Cedric is pointing to what has been reported, corruption. It's an issue. He talks about it himself. The minister talks about corruption. He also calls it poor contract management and lack of leadership, which is where he wants to spend more money. Is that strategy going to work where you now top heavy are trying to deal with the issue, but you then don't have the tools to execute on the management that you're going to get in? Yeah, I don't know. You know, I mean, first, I think they will have to look at the whole police service from the top, starting at the very top, going right down to the bottom, and um, try to get rid of all people who are involved in corrupt practices. Now, I that's think that easier said that, 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 that They have to clean the police of corruption. And then you you have to identify in your top ranks those people who have got the experience and uh, experience and the training on visible policing, on detectives, and the intelligence and the intelligence division. That's and uh, and then you can you can concentrate on that leadership and give them even more training so that they can become uh, better leaders. I think there is a leadership crisis in the police, Mm -hmm. and that is also an explanation of the difference between 2003 down to Mm 2011-12, and then the difference from 12 up to now. Mm -hmm. Because clearly, uh, under the leadership of at least two commissioners, national commissioners, the one the late uh, Commissioner Kele, uh, the late no, uh, Salebi, yes. and the other one, uh, Commissioner Kele, which is now the minister. Mm-hmm. Something happened there which indicated that there was good leadership and good man- management. And then after that, things just got haywire. Okay. Let's talk about something that's also been in the news a lot, uh, even during lockdown, where 
the public order policing is a problem in this country. We have had a lot of discussions around demilitarization of the police. That's not happening. I think it's getting, in fact, it seems like um, the police are getting more uptight and in, in how they're managing, uh, you know, public order is, is really not, not according to what they had planned to do. They wanted to move away from that a little bit more. Your, your sentiments on how to achieve that? Well, public order policing is a highly specialized area, mm. a highly specialized area. I would say as specialized as detective services or, or, or prevention, but even more sometimes. Because what you see and what we have seen in Marikana and a few other incidents recently in Johannesburg with the students is what you see is that it seems that our police service don't understand the dynamics of crowds. First one, if you have a crowd, if you have a peaceful demonstration, mm. you don't take a whole lot of police and put them there because that will just ge- generate aggression in the crowd. You monitor it with a very, very small force, a few people, which are not a, a threat to the, to the crowd. Then when you see things are going wrong and you are, you, you are trained to see when things are going wrong, when people get very aggressive, when there's certain things said and so forth, um, then you deploy your main force. There's a whole range of things that have to do. Police officers on the scene, the p- people in command uh, of such a scene like Marikana, should be trained to read the crowd dynamics, to read and say, no, this crowd which is on the hill there, on the copy, mm. they will do nothing. They, are, they can dance there and shout and, and do whatever they want. We, they will get tired and they will go to home, even if it's three days from now. And then open a, a path for them to go home and where you can then search them if they have got weapons. So you, you, it's highly, it's, I mean, you need, in many countries you actually have, but we can't afford it in South Africa, but in many countries you actually have a public order police service on its own. Yeah, yeah. Let let me go to some voice notes coming through, Dr. DeCock. Okay. Um, If I can share something, I was in an attempted hijacking where three guys were armed, I shot two of them and I survived. If I didn't have a firearm that day and the way it unfolded, they were going to kill me. I would have been dead. So now they want to take take away uh, firearms for personal protection. I don't agree with that. Then secondly, I'm going to add the police. How are they going to protect us when if you go to a lot of the police stations around Houting, you'll find a panic button of the local reaction unit, which is this normal security company. That's one thing I'm still trying to get my head around it. How do they go basically install panic buttons and alarms for the local um, tactical security unit? And these are the police. Dr. DeCock, I read a story this weekend, and I mean, I had to read it twice, where the person said that they there was obviously a problem. They they then literally physically went, because they kept phoning the police station. They kept phoning the police station. Nobody was answering. They physically went to the police station and arrived at the police station. The gates were locked. This person says, I couldn't believe it. I shook the gates. 
two, three times made a loud noise. Eventually, somebody comes out. And when they ask the police, why are the gates locked? They said, because there's only two of us. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, I laugh. Uh, But the point of the matter is, is exactly as this uh, voice note is saying, you know, they themselves are looking for protection. So how are they going to protect us? Mm, no, that is a, that's a serious question. And um, But you see, it should not be like that. I mean, in any area, we, especially a dangerous area, I'm not talking of a small little plotland mm. uh, dorpy there somewhere in the Karoo. But but in in a in a la, in a station like Hillbrow, in a station like Timbiza, and 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 let's go to Kailicha again. Mm. In those stations, I mean, you should not only have two people there because that that station can be attacked. Mm. Mm. You know, I mean, we had many 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 cases where um, where there was a robbery in the middle of the night at the station, especially when there's only one or two police officers there. Mm. And the others are patrolling or doing something else, or they didn't pitch up for work because they are sick or whatever. And um, and, and 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 then the weapons, their weapons were taken. Mm. Some places they were even killed, mm. and uh, their weapons were taken and 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 weapons out of the safe. Mm. Let's take more of those calls. Are one one seven one four two zero zero six, and I'll take more voice notes on WhatsApp on oh six one four one. Good afternoon, Sis Pimelo. It's Fiso here. The caller is correct. The police are not uh, proactive when it comes to this. Who's gonna monitor them? Who's gonna come back next year later and say, okay, we implemented something like this and that? Who's going to be asking that? Okay, my station in Richards Bay, guys, what are you doing? What are the stats? Is it? going down is it going up are people reporting and again who encourages women to 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 speak out against this because we may create laws but if women won't open cases that means there's nothing what are we doing to make sure that women are empowered this is Fiso and richard speak please answer all right Fiso wants answers dr de Kock, over to you yeah yeah i think i think we should Pay more attention how to empower women in cases or, or in situations of GBV uh, violence and other violence, not not necessarily only GBV. We we should we should empower them with instruments that they should have. Say they should uh, clearly have some streetwise. You know, they must be trained to be streetwise and to have put up a fight if necessary. And we should also, and I'm thinking more and more of this, and I think we should do more about this. Everybody in South Africa basically have a cell phone, not maybe a necessarily a smartphone. But there is instruments, things that you can put onto the cell phone where you can send out a signal, I'm in trouble. I mean, I've got some stuff like that on my cell phone. So I can press a button on the cell phone and immediately... My location is known, and a security company can then react. Like if my car broke down in the middle of the night somewhere, and it's uh, 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 not a safe place, I can press that button, and either my security company or a, a, another security company which are in partnership with them will come and, and, and help me. I think we must really look after especially our poorer, our poorer and the poorest of the poor ladies that have to go from work in the evening, especially now in winter when it's already dark, and from restaurants and bars and wherever they work, 
and cleaning cleaning uh, buildings uh, they should they should be empowered um, by police visibility on the one hand but also with instruments that they can use to travel safe between the place of work and the place the, the home i mean can you imagine you go at 10 o'clock at night 11 o'clock with taxi to Kailicha, and then you get off there and now you have to walk another kilometer yeah. to your shack or your house and the lights are not in the alley. Dr. De Kock, you know, there, there have been some wonderful, in fact, wonderful initiatives by community members. I know a couple of years ago, even in Soweto, there was a group of men who used to wake up at about, I think, three, between three o'clock and 3.30 mm. to walk uh, people to the taxis or the bus or the train station because it mm. wasn't safe. But mm. it comes to the point where they're talking now about community policing forums, that they want to equip them more. When will that happen? Because this bill is oh. taking quite a while, right? Yeah, and I must tell you, my bit of knowledge of uh, CPFs and their relationship with the police and what they mm. get from the police mm. is really a nightmare. Mm. I, I, I just think that the CPFs are there because they should be CPFs, mm. but they don't receive the necessary information, detailed information, yes. Yes. to do a planning on their side. Actually, not a planning on their side. They should plan together with the police around one table. Mm and say, okay, the community will do this. We will do that, and please, can the police do that? Yeah. And, and, I mean, obviously, this is tabled already now in the, in, the, uh, in the bill that's been proposed, but that's not coming through. It's been a while. Yeah, now. And, and even if it comes through, you know, I mean, we have got many bills and many, many mm-hmm. acts and many legislation and things. And, um, you know, but it's there to... to to control everything, but it's, it's, it may not become true okay. if, 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 you know, if it's I in the act mean. that, look, they must work together. It's already yeah, there, yeah, yeah. that they must plan together, they must work together, all of that. And yeah, then and in also, reality, it doesn't happen. In the reality, there is a competition of resources. So you're going to take those vehicles, give them to the policing forum while in the actual unit, you don't have yeah. enough vehicles. So that's a problem. Yeah. We go quickly go to Johan in Mpumalanga. Hi, Johan. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Thanks for calling, Johan. Awesome. Yes, afternoon with your guests and the listeners. Uh, you know, in terms of the policy and the crime, I will be honest with you. Uh, there is nothing that is going to be away about a crime in South Africa as long as we live the way we are living. There is nothing. Number one, why I'm saying this, uh, 27 years ago, or still alive as a person. The police was taken from here, Joburg, was going was was working in maybe Deben or was working in Northwest, from Bumalanga to Northwest. The problem is about the policing. You cannot grow up here and get to school yes, your schooling here from there and then you become a police there. You've got your friends who went to school with them. If we if if the if the branch is coming to arrest, you are going to tell them to say run away. So, in a matter of policing, we we have some serious issues. I want to tell you about me and myself. I was hijacked. My car was found. The, 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 the intelligence got the people who hijacked me. 2017. Until today, I'm still waiting for the case to come into the court. Those people were arrested. 
they were given bail out. They made a statement to say, yes, we hijacked him. We took his car. My car was found inside one of the police stations that I cannot uh, mention. Mm-hmm. When they call to say my car is here next to park next to the police station, when we drive with an intelligence from where we are to the car, when we come there after 35 minutes, the car was gone in the police station. <laughs> Thanks, inside, thanks for that, Johan. Uh, inside the police station. I'm just rushing you because of time, Johan. Thanks very much for that. Uh, All right. uh, Dr. Decock, you know, there's a lot of talk around digitization of documents and, and dockets and all of that. And it seems to be an issue there as well with CETA. How far are we with that? Because, yes, dockets go missing. Yes, you know, information goes, you know, haywire. And then we don't get a prosecution. What's happening there? Well, I I can't actually answer you. The police will have to answer you, but I can remember when I was still there, and that is about eight years ago. I I you know I went on um, on on retirement. They were busy with this um, to uh, to 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 place dockets onto the to the computer, so that uh, you know you can counter this thing that dockets go missing and so on and I'll so forth. What they're saying now, they're saying. SAPS is still working with the State Information Technology Agency to reboot its IT system. Yeah, you see. So they are still busy. And um, and uh, so dockets can still go missing. Yeah. And, um, and uh, yeah, well, that that is the problem. That's where it leaves us. Huh? That's, yeah. Thank you so much. I really have to leave it there. Dr. Chris DeCock, Independent Crime and Violent Analyst, former head of Crime Information Analysis Center at SAPS. And yeah, that's where we leave it. I'm not sure if uh, that gives you any comfort, but that's exactly where the state is at the moment. Two o'clock. Let me go to Anne Musa for the latest in SABC News.